slash dupe Cyber Monday special, take one. Going back to where it all began, going back to the Matrix. I'm Sean Scott, and this is your slash dupe Cyber Monday special, wherein I will be discussing my experience with the Matrix, the sequels Reloaded and Revolutions, and their inspirations, and my thoughts on the upcoming Resurrections, the Matrix series directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski. And I'm going to be discussing it solo, because having addressed Black Friday in our most recent episode, uh, in which we use Black Friday as a backdrop to discuss race and our experiences, I have given the Slashdoop crew uh, the weekend off, and I will be discussing... Uh, the Matrix. Uh, this is in many ways, I hope, the, the last solo slash dupe. Uh, it felt right this time, but it will depend on feedback as to whether this can be judged by yourselves at home uh, as a success or not. And I want this uh, talk on, uh, on The Matrix and my experiences with it um, and cyberpunk and other sorts of things and why now, why Matrix Resurrections. Uh, I want this to be uh, a discussion because I'm here alone and I don't even mind a discussion in private. You want to DM me um, and I don't even mind, you know, if you want to chuck it on our socials at slash dupe on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, um, because this is a conversation that I am going to be having one sided, but it's just the start. It's the start of a discussion, hopefully. And I was thinking, I mean, The Matrix, essentially, uh, The Matrix franchise, uh, it's my Star Wars. I was born in 1987. Um, I missed, I came in at Star Wars Episode One. Uh, fascinating and fantastic as a film um, for a child. Uh, and then worked my way backwards. But of course, that made, that didn't make Star Wars my, uh, my Star Wars. And I was thinking, why not Lord of the Rings? And I actually went yesterday went to the West Nord Picture House, fan absolutely fantastic cinema. Um, who knows if it's still standing, if any cinemas are, while you're listening to this. Um, so I watched the trilogy, theatrical. I hadn't seen the theatricals in the cinema since uh, I first saw them. So that was a really interesting experience. I've always been watching the extendeds. And I thought, why is The Lord of the Rings not my Star Wars? And I think it's because it has a sort of pre-existing novel. It's a Tolkien's novel. Uh, the sort of gold standard of fantasy. Um, there had been a, a, a storied history of epics, war films, fantasy uh, that sort of bled into the Matrix, uh, bled into Lord of the Rings, sorry, and made Lord of the Rings the sorts of film that it was. I also think post 9 11 helped the films because, you know, it's galvanizing against great evil, small people being able to make a difference, um, you know, sort of faceless terror. Um, and good, honest, emotional people. And I think it was very much a sort of mirror of the sort of world, the Western world's grief at the time. I think that's why the films were popular. Um, and based on the novels, you know, the novels, uh, the novel Lord of the Rings, it's, it was a sort of fairly um, sort of well-read, well-regarded novel. And so therefore it would have been uh much more a product the novel was a more, more a product of its time the same reason why dune now dune Denis villeneuve's dune fantastic film a great piece of cinema anyway and a great adaptation 
I, it can't be this generation's Star Wars because I think you know many people had read the Dune novels. The Dune novel, uh, you know, is in itself uh, has that legacy the same way that Lord of the Rings the novels did. So it the Matrix is something. The Matrix was something that sort of uh, it was wholly original, breathtaking uh, to coin a, to coin Keanu Reeves. Uh, it was it was bold and new, and it f- and it did so by fusing together a load of interesting, unique underground influences. Um, so, the reason why I love the Matrix is because it has everything I love smashed into it in one. The reason why I would say it tops Fellowship of the Ring, tops uh, many other films for me, is because it has all of the things I love in it. I've always loved cyberpunk, anime, uh, Hong Kong martial arts, and sh- movie shootouts. Um, and film noir and somehow it managed and you know and robots artificial intelligence somehow it manages to fuse them all together and the matrix is the perfect example of coming out at a time where the world needed something new the the subcultures the underground they needed to pull something out and say this is mine i identify with this and by remixing and by taking influences of all of the stuff that the Wachowskis would have loved at the time that many people wouldn't have experienced in the mainstream, such as film noir, a sort of subgenre, um, you know, martial arts films, uh, anime, all that, all that sort of stuff was, was very much sort of, you know, underground. And by fusing all of this stuff together, uh, they made a film that spoke to people, fusing all of these sort of bits of culture, subculture together. Um, and I think that that's why one of the reasons why I stood the test of time. It feels entrenched in the idea of uh, escapism, escaping the world, but escaping it because you are different, because you are unique, because you have something to say, something to give. So, of course, those are reasons why it, it sort of garnered the uh, passion that it that it has since its release. I wasn't able to see the film, I don't think, in the cinemas when it first came out. I sort of have a memory of seeing it in cinemas, but I know that's not true because I wouldn't have been old enough. But I came in on the DVD revolution, the home video digital revolution. So we had a ton of VHS, but The Matrix was the first thing to come out on DVD. Um, And I got that little cardboard case, you know, Warners did those ones with the little plastic clip on the right-hand side. Um, these cardboard case DVDs and I got it because I was at a party uh, which I didn't often do uh, go to parties but I went to a party and it I don't know if anyone listening can remember whose it was or who was there or you know uh, what it was about but essentially um, there was uh, a somebody just put it on in the background it was like probably two o'clock in the morning everyone was hammered and it was there on the tv and i think i think that was the first time i watched it and what happened is at two o'clock in the morning hammered i watched the entirety of the matrix on a tiny 20 inch tv in the corner of someone's room a crt in, in their living room their parents living room while everybody else was getting smashed i just sat and watched this entire film and by the end of it i thought okay yeah i i'm different now and a handful of people watched it with me. I just can't remember who. 
whilst the party was going on, it wasn't in a separate room. It was one of these places where every, you know, small house, everything was connected. It was just a really bizarre experience. So that was my, and I want to hear about yours as well, but that was my first experience watching The Matrix properly from start to finish, if you can believe it. Um, then I, you know, I had the, I had a PlayStation. I had the ability to play Blu-rays and DVDs. I got the revisited edition on DVD. And that just blew my mind. I mean, you know, you had behind the scenes with the Wachowskis who at the time and still and notoriously sort of media shy, uh, you uh, you saw the process of how they made bullet time and such an interesting analog technology uh, that if you don't know about how it how it was initially conceived, it's fantastic. It's like a proper, you know, using still cameras to create a moving image is, yes, yeah, is is. is it it really did feel, I suppose in many ways, it, it was an evolution of film because film is 24 still frames a second to make a, a moving image. Uh, you know, it's sort of, they sort of use the same principles. So it, it, that's why in many ways it still feels unique and special today in the sort of world of incredible, cheap and incredible special effects. Um, special visual, visual effects, sorry. So, uh, so that was amazing. And then I imported, when it came to um, uh, DVDs, I imported the 10-disc collector's edition, which had the Animatrix in it and all sorts of other things, which I, I will get to. Um, so I fell in love with uh, home video, with the ability to watch my own movies, own my own movies, sit in my room and analyze them, go back and forth. I mean, The Matrix was one of the first films that, I was able to do that with. And I'm not going to bang on about everything because quite frankly, you can just Google The Matrix and find everything you need to do. This is the thing about classic film. This is the reason why we don't do a standard film podcast is that you can find this information out for yourself and you don't need to hear someone like me wittering on about it. There's so many scholars and uh, philosophers and critics that have, have you know read it, have written about The Matrix in many, many different ways. And that's not what I'm here to do. I'm just here to talk about my experience with it. And I was reflecting on it because I watched it the other day uh, with Ryan and I watched the trilogy. And I was interested in the, um, uh, even as I was writing this, yes, if you can believe it, there is a, there is a bare bones script. But as I was writing it, I, I came across the idea of when he makes the jump. Uh, it's an incredibly fluid film, by the way, and the scenes run into each other so well. Um, the entire like last sort of 30 40 minutes isn't it is an incredible series of chases and fights and shootouts but i found that the when he makes the jump for the first time and morpheus tells him they load up the jump program morpheus tells him you need to get rid of fear doubt and disbelief and then he he jumps i was thinking what was really fascinating about thomas anderson the, the character that uh, sort of Neo's called in the Matrix is he's named Thomas A. Anderson. Um, I thought that you look at him and he doesn't have any fear and he doesn't have any doubt. And I know that, you know, doubt is put into his mind strongly by the Oracle and that's part of her shtick. Um, it's just disbelief he has. At that point, he just has disbelief. He doesn't believe. And I just, it's just a moment that I really liked. I, I just liked that only one component was missing from the one. 
and it's just something i i sort of noticed after watching it you know must have i must have seen the film about maybe 30 times in my lifetime and uh yeah i think that that moment stuck out for me this time and i just thought that it's interesting and you know eventually he finds his belief um but i liked that amongst the sort of deep philosophical themes and and lots of heady topics that it tackles in in very interesting ways some obvious and some subtle and some woven into the rest of the film i just thought that that was a very nice simple thing that a hum- that anyone can grab hold of the fear doubt and disbelief the three sort of parts of you know sort of try if you're trying to better yourself those those are, or trying to overcome something or conquer something or do something those are the three things you can maybe uh try and exercise At a later date, we might break down the influences of The Matrix. Maybe we'll do a post-resurrection special. Um, and I certainly have it in my mind to do a series of of video articles that lead up to The Matrix Resurrections, showing... I love to see a filmmaker's growth, you know, when they go from, like, you know, the first film they make, struggling to get it made, and why and how, the films they write, the paychecks they get, to the films they really want to make. Then maybe they push into the films that they shouldn't have made or the films they make and just to stay alive and stay relevant and then maybe they have a resurgence and i'm interested in this you know in the, the whole sort of flow and the arc of this um but i'm i'm sort of reminded of the aspects of of the matrix and i just wanted to touch on them briefly so cyberpunk is a is a was a big part of the sort of decade beforehand so William Gibson's Neuromancer was the first book that coined the term The Matrix in order to discuss uh, what is essentially a sort of neural, sort of virtual reality space. Um, and I would obviously recommend that film. That, it, that also has a hard-boiled edge. It's very much like has the tone of a, of a sort of Chandler novel or a much more like a Philip Marlowe novel, a sort of light dark and dark romp. Um, but I'd recommend Neuromancer if you sort of if you want to if you're interested in seeing the influences of what built the Matrix. Uh, another one would undoubtedly be uh, film noir. So you can see the shots from similar films like The Third Man. There are these amazing moments in in film noir uh, using shadow and the sort of idea of sort of the you know people getting their comeuppance um, and. You know, maybe some parts of the music as well, um, and some parts of the sort of the idea of the agents, very very sort of noirish. And I think uh, Bound is you know is the first film that the Wachowskis directed, and I think that's probably uh, a good one to start with because um, that's a noir with um, two female characters, uh, lead female characters, and therein you can see the start of their interest in subculture so the lesbian subculture the lesbian culture of the times i suppose um and you can see them fuse that with a different genre with with the sort of gangster genre uh told from the perspective of these these two women and i think those those things are very important because going into something like the matrix you have a very non-binary 
feel to the movie, which is still refreshing to this day. Um, and I'm not talking about Switch, the character, and the background of what Switch was supposed to be like. And I'm talking about, you know, having androgynous characters, but that exude a sort of a new types of femininity and masculinity. So you have Trinity, that's an absolute fucking badass, straight away from the start of the movie. And she's not a badass because she's a woman, and she's not badass. Like, it's not made a point of, um, except in that wonderful moment where... You know, Neo's like, you stay here. I'm going to go save, you know, Morpheus. And Trinity's like, you know, pulls rank and reminds him that there's no fucking way in hell that, you know, he, he's for a moment, he thinks he's just the hero and doesn't factor in, you know, uh, the, the rest of the, the team. And I think that's, that's a really sort of pivotal moment and not enough movies, blockbusters or otherwise have moments like that or have, have those sorts of turns. Um, too many movies have the man go i'm gonna go and lead the charge and all this sort of stuff and morpheus is this sort of wise sage um he uh he's a very sort of refreshing male character you know he's very sort of thoughtful and um dignified and he's not sort of aristocratic and he's not sort of but but he still has a kind of powerful presence there's some things that i think they they found a new way to um to put forward in the uh in these films ghost in the shell anime that's another um reference i think it's a reference for movement it's a reference for reference point for the matrix in in the sort of obviously shot composition i mean they were they they wrote comic books before they wrote the matrix and you can see comic book frame composition which you know and superhero leanings in the matrix reloaded especially uh absolutely which which aided to inform the the sort of style of comic book movies going forward in marvel and, and all sorts of other things definitely this had a part in it um but there was a, a an area of anime where they um they wanted to sort i think there's a kineticism in in something like ghost in the shell that i think of course there are the themes and philosophies but I would see it almost like some of the action was sort of inspired by, uh, by the, the the way that animation is paced and and sort of stitched together. And of course, Once Upon a Time in China, Fist of Legend, Hard Boiled, all the all the sort of Chinese Hong Kong martial arts movies and uh, action movies. And I think it's fair to say when we move on to Resurrections that it was inspired very much by anime there as well, particularly in the final fight. Which has aged quite well, I think, personally. The Matrix was, of course, one of the first examples of having a really uh, incredible uh, mixed media. It had a real mixed media franchise. Um, absolutely, there was uh, the Animatrix, which without we wouldn't have um, Star Wars Visions and other sorts of things. It was very much uh, bringing anime into the mainstream and, and sort of really famous anime directors um and it was cool that they were willing to expand their world i mean they 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 let other creators sort of expand the world there are their comic books the graphic novels which are fantastic and they're so weird and different and the matrix online video game which many people are saying informs the plot of matrix resurrections although i'm not sure that they would allow that to happen because they need to pull in new viewers but but they did have a video game that came out 
and coincided with Reloaded that that had a sort of all the missing pieces in it. And that sort of that sort of experience we take for granted now. But really, it was the Matrix that um, that took that leap. That that you know, you really have to trust other creators and broaden the world. And and in order to do it in such a way that all the parts click together, I mean, that's it. It took a leaf from Star Wars, from the extended universe of Star Wars. Um, but really, it, it sort of did its own thing. Um, and you've got to really applaud it for for trying, even if it does water down the individual experiences if you're not able to understand some of the backstory or uh, if you're not able to understand why characters turn up at at certain moments when they do. Um, I personally am not sure that it it ruins it for me. I think that that it's difficult for me to see the franchise and the films as as if I was seeing them for the first time. So I'm fully sort of interred in the world of The Matrix. And the more I... I can get of it from the creators themselves, uh, the more excited I am. Which brings me to Reloaded, a film that manages to expand the lore in ways that are shocking at first, disappointing in many ways at first as well, but that then uh, actually, in reflection, are incredibly bold um, and incredibly cool. So let's not bit around the bush reloaded has ghosts and vampires in it i mean that's fucking awesome and the idea that they sort of explain them away the way they explain them and the way they explain the law that the, the sort of law l-o-r-e of the programs it comes to the real uh sort of cornerstone of what i absolutely love about reloaded um not only the sort of bleeding edge action and uh, yeah, ahead of its time, digital doubles and shots that you couldn't have achieved outside of a computer. In 2003, I think anyone that criticizes computer-generated images needs to take a check and realize that almost all computer-generated images age, you know, and they will all age in some ways, some more extreme than others and less extreme than others. But in order to do that in 2003 and push technology of film forwards was incredible. But not just the bleeding-edge action, um, you know, Bringing the idea of the Merovingian in, yes, of course, he's a character that you can sort of point to and go, this is ridiculous. But they showed, and I'm, this is something that's really powerful to me in Reloaded, they showed machines with, you know, artificial intelligence, computer programs, machines, sentience, with philosophy of their own, with things that were more important than just survival, with wants and desires and games and and in in the merovingian persephone i think that's what they're doing so i was thinking about this while i was watching it and it seems crass or weird at first it certainly reloaded my first reaction i'll get to shortly uh but what what those moments are the orgasm cake for example is it showing you that these aren't just artificial intelligences or robots or computer programs from something like the Terminator. In the Terminator series, what does Skynet want? What does it want? It wants to put humans into death camps and fight with them forever. And it doesn't want anything else. It doesn't want the world to flourish. It doesn't want to continue its species. It, I mean, arguably, that's fine, because the first Terminator film was just made as a horror. But maybe that's why the later ones fail. The 
core villains, the 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 alpha, the, the omega to the alpha of the human beings, they don't want anything but destruction, and that isn't something that we can understand. We don't like that. We don't understand that as people. We're like, what, what, you know, they're just faceless villains. What do they want? And I think the Matrix was really interesting to uh, to sort of nuance the machines with wanting to live. A lot of times in Reloaded and, and Revolutions, they say, um, our world, your world. They they regard, and, and it's used interchangeably, and I only noticed that this time. Are they referring to the human world, the natural world, as their world, the machine world? It's their world. They want it. They own it. They want it to run. They want to live. They want to live in it. And in order to do so, they use the humans. They don't want to destroy the world. And they don't want to destroy all the humans either um, because of the symbiosis. But, but I, yeah, I find that the most interesting, that they have motivation. They have love. They live. And so the Merovingian, when he talks about cause and effect, he's saying this is our philosophy. This is the robot philosophy. Cause and effect. It's something that they might not run on uh, all of the same feelings that we do. Or, but in their world, they understand cause and effect. As sentient beings, they have a philosophy. And I think that that's fascinating. And I think that it's, I would miss that if it wasn't approached in Resurrections in some way. Um, you know, something more nuanced. My first experience with Reloaded was with the trailer, and it dropped on GMTV or some kind of equivalent. I think it was the one with Philip Schofield on it, I think. And I recorded the debut of the trailer, because it was the UK debut. I recorded it onto a VHS tape, uh, and I watched it back until the tape got damaged. I would use the jog wheel to go back and forth to really try and figure out, have I actually seen that that moment? Trinity flying out backwards out of the window. Um, Neo running around the Smiths with his stick. Like, what the hell am I seeing? Um, and so I was so excited to see the film in the cinema that when I came out of it and I was disappointed, I... I pretended to everybody and myself that I loved it. I don't do that anymore, but I used to do that. And I did it with Reloaded. And I know now why as well. I think, you know, I didn't have the language or the, or the, or the ability or the mind to criticise something, to also love it and criticise it at the same time, which is what I now can do. Um, and I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what they were doing. It's a very jarring cinema experience. And there are lots of other times and spaces to debate uh, whether it's worth... There are many things you weigh up during, you know, a cinema experience. So the Marvel films are like, they're like fast food. You know what you're going to get, tastes the same every time, but you want it and you love it. And maybe afterwards you go, hmm, should I have done something different? Should I have gone to see something more powerful, more interesting that says something? Um, but they fit the mold of cinema very well. They have three acts. They have the right application of humor. They have the right application of action. Um, and they all end the same. So there's something in that. It's a blended whiskey. It's fine. But Reload and Resurrections are not like that. And even though you want to point at the cliches, every cliche is both a cliche and, the, and its opposite at the same time. Um, so Reloaded certainly decided to throw prophecy on its head, uh, debunk oracles, you know, do loads of 
interesting things and tell you that Neo, you know, is special but for the wrong reasons. And, I, and I, I'm not even going to talk about this here because there are many debates and many people that are more qualified than I am to talk about the philosophy of it. But um, I certainly was uh, shaken by it the first time I watched it. And only on subsequent viewings in the last, maybe even in the last five years, have I really, really started to love it. And only maybe when I watched Resurrections the other day that I fully, fully, absolutely love it, rather than love it with caveats. There's plenty more to talk about with Reloaded, but, but I think it's important to, that Revolutions came out so soon afterwards. It came out the same year, I believe, which again is unprecedented for these kinds of things, even though they were shot back to back. Um, and as a conclusion to Reloaded works fantastically. If you watch them both back to back, you won't have that kind of feeling of the ending of Reloaded being terrible. But also in the same way that uh, Kill Bill 1 and 2 uh, feel like two very different parts of the same whole, Revolutions is a very different movie to Reloaded. Reloaded is a love story, through and through. Uh, the Matrix is very much um, doing lots and lots of things through the framework of the hero's journey, uh, or the sort of even, even almost the Christ figure sort of story. Uh, and... Reloaded as a love story. Amongst all other things, love is the thing that pervades the entire movie and it's their relationship um, that you can say anything you like about Reloaded, but it's a love story. Revolutions is, is a fairy tale and a war film. So it's like a Greek epic and a war film. And in, in many ways, Greek epics lead to war in our war film, uh, you know, have war in them as well. But it's like an epic poem. And when you, if you watch it like that and you, you know, they talk about Seraph being wingless and the fallen angel and, you know, Morpheus is coming to terms with these things. Um, the ships, you know, going through the tube. I mean, there's something that's really it's a real fairy tale. It's the best way I can describe it. When I watched it this time, it really hit home and I thought, OK. I get this movie now. It's a Greek epic. It's full of these sort of broad themes and betrayal and and all sorts of wonderful, amazing, uh, spectacular things and all of these little bit parts. And they all come together and, and make this incredible war film, the likes of which, you know, maybe had only been seen in that era with um, Gladiator and uh, and Lord of the Rings. Uh, I'm not even going to get into the fact that they have robot suits and other sorts of amazing stuff in it. I mean, it's easy to put that movie down, but I think it's, and in many ways, it's easy to put any movie down, but I think it's, and to be cynical, but I think it's much harder to be, to find why something is good. Not just even to declare that it is or to think that it is, but to find out why it's good. And to me, Revolutions is a really powerful film at doing things that you would never see in another movie especially not a third film i mean they blind the main character for christ's sake they you know they they have that moment where trinity uh you know they have a character that has died come back to life and then dies again and when she dies she's able to recall what she said the first time she she died and say i didn't want to have said that i wanted to have said something else and that, for me, is like every moment that, that happens after he brings her alive 
is in Reloaded is a moment where at the end she can say, I didn't mean to say I'm sorry, I meant to say I love you, kiss me. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, it's done strangely. It's, it's strange, but that's okay. Like, I, I, I think there's still something really powerful beneath that and something really sort of uh, unique, I think. And I feel very much that way about revolutions in, entirely. I mean, it's a really thrilling, you know, sort of third act um, or second and third act. Um, and it lays the groundwork in many ways for resurrections, not least of all Sati. Um, and I'm fascinated to sort of unpack why I'm excited about the Matrix Resurrections. I mean, if you're still here listening to this and you're not Ryan, who's doing the editing today, um, I appreciate that. I, I really genuinely do because uh, we haven't really done this before, a sort of solo thing, and I really don't know if, if this is interesting. I don't know if I'm saying anything new. I'm just trying to bring some of my thoughts to the surface. Um, I could write a review. I could make a video, but actually I think it's just worth um, just sort of reflecting, I think. Reflection is important. I like watching the credits to a film because I, that time in the cinema is time that I use to, um, to, to sort of unpack, and I unpack the experience that I've, that I've had. So with Matrix Resurrections coming out, um, I'm sure everyone will have their own way of feeling about it. I'm optimistic. Um, I think that uh, Lana and Lily Wachowski had two fascinating outcomes to uh, both their parents dying in quick succession. Um, Lily decided to uh, step away from filmmaking. Uh, especially because they've been working on a lot of projects back to back, um, and uh, Lana decided to step back into two characters that had brought them so much comfort and, you know, kickstarted their careers. Um, and maybe you know, sort of, if they gave something to them in sol in terms of solace, it could give something to the world. I think it's interesting, just to reflect briefly on the Matrix. The first Matrix, um, how, and I don't really have the ability to speak on trans issues, of course, although I like to think I'm an ally. But I think the the idea of dead naming is interesting. So the moment before Neo defeats Smith in battle, towards the end of the movie, he's constantly dead naming Neo. And, you know, using Thomas Anderson, his slave name, if you like. Um, and the, part, the thing that he says before he triumphs is, my name is Neo. It's that, that's very powerful. And in, in reflection as well, I mean, I do think you can ascribe, uh, you know, Tolkien says Lord of the Rings is not about his experiences during the war. I mean, that's bollocks, right? I think that sometimes creators can't even themselves see what they're trying to say until some of their other trauma or, or, or somebody else's eye has been passed over the material, right? Um, of course, you can ascribe things that, that aren't there to begin with, but I, I don't think that's the case, especially since the Wachowskis have talked about, you know, the sort of 
the idea of um, you know being somebody that that you're not and needing to set free and change identity and 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 other sorts of things i mean all, all those things are inherent in the matrix anyway um even just from a place of like it's a film about subjugation and about subcultures and pe- oppression and stuff like that so it can be appreciated by by many minorities not you know at, including the trans community so so i think that the so resurrections comes at the time thank christ first of all that it's not being made by zach penn or someone similar uh, thank god it's being made by the people that made the matrix um and they have evolved and i'm interested in seeing them do something where they're moving forwards knowing the wachowskis i think that just doing a soft reboot like the force awakens is not their mo it's not going to be lana wachowski's mo and I think that making something that is comfort food for the director or something that they want to make, I think that's really important as well. I really like that. I'm interested in those films where a director is really passionate about making it. Um, and so you have many strands upon which the success of The Matrix Resurrections depends. Uh, so one of them, I suppose, is does it work on a level that brings these two characters back in a, in a way that that can extend beyond the reach of Lana Wachowski. It could be something uh, that that connects to other people as well. Uh, you have the idea of it being a sequel to The Matrix, to Reloaded and to Revolutions. You have it being a piece that fits in with the law as it currently stands. Uh, you have it as an action film. Does it does does the action hold up? Does it compare to the action in Reloaded Revolutions and and the original? Is it action that is that feels unique or that feels like it says something the way that the raid or John Wick brought action forward each step born um you know all of all of these uh films brought action forwards as the matrix did will it do that again? Will it bring special effects forward is it does it i think these things ride on its shoulders because of those are the sort of core tenets of the franchise. So whilst it has to do that, those things, including bringing special effects forward or in some way, even a subtle way, perhaps, um, you know, also has to tell a compelling story. It also has to tell a standalone story. It does have to be a soft reboot of sorts because it needs to bring new fans into the franchise, into the series. Um, not least of all, because if they like it, they'll go back and watch the other films or they'll they'll do what we always do. You'll go into the law, you'll go on the internet, you'll go looking for things. You'll find out about what is the matrix.com website, the history of it. You know, you'll you'll go into the artists and and set designers and you'll be interested in all these different aspects, the influences as I talked about earlier on. So I don't mean it needs to bring people into the franchise in a sort of cynical cash grab kind of way. I mean that it needs to bring people in because I personally as a fan want to share the original series with them. And I think that the same way that the that um, Star Wars Episode 1 and 2 and 3, for me, brought me backwards into the franchise of 4, 5 and 6 to be able to appreciate them in, the, in their way and, and love them, I think this film should be doing that as well. So I think it has a lot of expectations levelled at it. And I think that it needs to succeed on a lot of levels. And I guess as I'm sort of rambling to myself... It may only just need to succeed spectacularly at one of those things. 
spectacularly in order to say I I exist, I've cemented myself as a reason to exist. And that's why you go back to films, because they often say, I exist because of this reason. Um, I am the finest example of this genre. Or I am the best that this filmmaker has to offer. Or, you know, I, am, I have so many things going for me. And so these films, something like Resurrections, it needs to, it needs to fit in that, in that world. And just finally, I'm prepared to eat my words. I'm prepared to be sad. I'm prepared to be disappointed or to, to be wrong. But I would like this film to be a commentary on reboots. I'm surprised, and I, I wonder if there's a reason for it. I'm surprised that it's not called The Matrix Rebooted. I wonder if that's too obvious. And I'm, I'm interested in it as... First of all, I don't want it to be cliche, because the Wachowskis have always played with cliche. They've used them and twisted them. I, I don't want it to be a film where Neo's in a coma, and, you know, in this coma, he's in this world, and someone has put him in there while they repair his, his body and repair his mind, and this is just all inside of his own mind. And Trinity is just a projection of, of you know, and he needs to escape this to get back to the real world. That's that's really not interesting to me, unless the stuff around that is spectacular and the story is not really the point. Um, I want to see something new and unique. I want to grab hold of this story. I, you know, I wonder if the Oracle is not actually... I know he's wearing blue glasses, but Neil Patrick Harris's character, because she was, in fact, created to be a programme that analysed human beings, a psychological programme. Uh, I wonder if Jonathan Groff's character as a Smith, or has been intimated to be Smith, is not a movie executive trying to get him to go back to the Matrix franchise. I'm interested in whether the Matrix, as you see in 90% of the trailer, is actually from a film that has been made inside the Matrix. A level of control would be interesting. So I suppose the comment on our reality they were saying in the first Matrix is, what if we're in a simulation? What if this film is saying that inside that simulation there was another film of the Matrix and everybody watched that film and thought, oh, that's funny, what if we're in a simulation? And that stopped them from trying to find the truth uh, that they were in a matrix upon that i'm also interested in the fact that the human beings were supposed to be freed after the matrix revolutions and there's a lot of aspects as a direct sequel which i think that it is i know that sati is supposed to be grown up now but i'm interested in whether it will take place over multiple timelines so there will be an immediate it will be an immediate sequel to revolutions because there's lots of imagery that implies that it is and then there's lots of imagery that looks like it. Um, it looks like a fan version of the original movie, and I and based on the idea that fandom and replications of the Matrix film in 1999 pervaded the world for a decade hence since, I wonder if this film isn't a re response to that, a reply to that. It is a copy of a copy. It is a film about the 
echoes of something brilliant. And part of me hopes that it's all those things. I will report back and let you know if it just fulfills one of those, one or two of those categories. Um, as a, as Sam, friend of the podcast, said to me the other day, even if the film is shit, it's going to be great. And I think he's right. I think the world is ready for a Matrix sequel. I think the right people are making it the right way. And I think that it will feel like it's outside of the studio system, even if it is generic and even if it is cliche and even if it is messy, I feel like it will still be interesting to see and analyze why it exists now. What does it say about technology now? What does it say about the world we live in now? And as Matrix Reloading Revolution said their part and added to the discussion that the world was having at that time, I wonder how this film will reflect that now. So that's it. That's that's me rambling for what however long, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, um, about the Matrix. Um why I love them, all of them, why I'm interested in the new one. Um and really just to start the discussion. This is not I could do a video article if I wanted to to not have a discussion. I could I could write my reviews if I wanted nobody to read them. But this is just the start of the discussion. I'm I'm sure that other people will have their matrixes. They will they will be able to speak to me about if it was Lord of the Rings and why, if it's Dune, if it's Star Wars even. So with these with these films, I, I know people my age, I know people have had so many experiences with them. I, I want to hear why they're powerful to you. Which moments, I mean, this is the wonderful thing about which moments in The Matrix or moments in Reloaded Revolutions, which moments spoke to you? Which moments speak up and uh, connect to you and why? Um, and I want to hear that discussion anywhere. If you have listened to this point, you either have it on in the background, in which case, fair enough, it's a listen, it counts towards the algorithm, or you're interested in the matrix and you're interested in the personal connection it can have to people, because that's basically all I can really talk about today. Um, so I want to know what yours is. And I don't care how you send it to me or give it to me, but but I want to hear it because this is why we're interested in the arts. This is why I love film. Um, and it's for this exact reason that it can reach from the creator through the screen to you. And then you go and talk to someone else about it and it connects you to them. And I want to hear about your experiences with a film that is, you know, about kung fu fighting robots. So you can find us on Slash Dupe. Uh, at slash dupe on instagram twitter facebook we have a reddit we have a patreon and i've enjoyed this i hope you have too but i'm going to enjoy having uh, ryan dan and a guest back with me very shortly to bring you the close of season one of slash dupe and eventually we will take a break and make a trailer based on the winning idea of slash dupe so thank you very much for, for being here, for listening, and uh, I'll see you all next time.